We are back. Hello, everyone. Me and Leo are back from our break. So much has happened to us in the past three weeks. So, Leo, do you want to tell the listeners what we've been up to? Well, I have been in two shows these past few weeks, one play at my high school and one musical with a citywide program. I also just moved houses, and I've been pretty busy with after-school activities like mock trial. So I think it's safe to say that I've been pretty busy. As for me, it's the same. Quite a few things have happened. First off, I had a debate tournament this past week, and it went amazing. I ranked second speaker overall, and that's thanks to these podcast skills, and I got second place as a team. Shout out to Jake Davidson, by the way. He told me if I was going to bring up our debate, I should include his name in the episode. I also had a tennis tournament this week, which went pretty well. I lost in the semis in a nail-biter, so overall, these past three weeks have been amazing. Also, a few weeks ago, Vishal and I debated together in the Vassar College Debate Tournament, and we made it to the quarterfinals, which was pretty exciting. Yeah, it was. Alrighty, Vishal, why don't we get right into the episode and start off with our current events. Sounds good to me, Leo. For our new listeners, we'll briefly discuss three to five headlines that happened these past few weeks. But first, cue the music. First, let's talk about election night in America. While we were on break, election day happened. Now, there were some things that shifted in our government, both locally and nationally. First off, a hearty congratulations to Caroline Simmons and her campaign in her win against unaffiliated candidate Bobby Valentine. It was a super close race between the two candidates. Ultimately, it was about 800 absentee ballots that swung the election in Caroline's favor. So, Leo, now we can officially say that we met our mayor before she became famous and before she gets verified on Instagram. So how do you feel about that? I think it's pretty exciting, and hopefully we'll get to talk to Caroline a little later, maybe even on the podcast. All right, now let's talk about some national news regarding Election Day. The biggest shock was Virginia's governor race. The two candidates, Republican Glenn Youngkin and incumbent Democrat Terry McAuliffe, battled it out in the election. In the end, it was the Republican, Youngkin, who prevailed that night. Ultimately, it was the Virginians' concern for their economy. As the past years with McAuliffe, their economy was at an all-time low. Youngkin will get sworn in two months from now. Another major event that happened was Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty in his trial. Over the past few weeks, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse has been being held. During the protests over the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin back in 2020, Rittenhouse shot and killed Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber, and he wounded Gage Grosskreutz. Multiple murder charges were leveled against Rittenhouse, including one for illegally bringing a weapon across state lines. However, that charge was thrown out by the judge, who was considered by many to be not the best choice for the trial, and even called incompetent by some. When Rittenhouse himself took the stand, he cried excessively to the point where the judge took a break from the trial for a few minutes. Out of 12 people, the jury that came to this conclusion was almost all white. And this not guilty verdict has caused much controversy since many believe that this is simply a reinforcement of the racist justice system in the United States. President Biden also validated the verdict, saying that he trusts the jury's decision. All of this has led to a reckoning of our justice system and has caused people across the country to more closely examine it. And for our final current event for this episode, we'll discuss the Astro World concert. So, as some of you may know, last week in Houston, Texas, Travis Scott hosted the Astro World concert. Unfortunately, tragedy struck, and 10 people were trampled and killed from a rowdy audience that night on November 5th. Now, the controversial part about this tragedy is who to blame for this incident. 
So far, over 200 lawsuits have been filed on multiple people and companies that had any ties to the concert. Additionally, during the concert, many people had trouble breathing due to a super packed crowd pushing up against one another. Travis Scott stopped the show twice because some people had fainted during the show. There are video recordings of people chanting to stop the show and others telling security and people working for the concert to stop the show because of how rowdy it was getting. With all this, we'll have to wait and see of who really is responsible for this tragedy. Alrighty, Vishal, now let's move on to our main topic for today's episode, which will be the death penalty. As always, we'll start with some definitions. For the purposes of our definitions, we'll define the death penalty as the punishment of execution carried out by a government after legally convicting a person. Another name for the death penalty is capital punishment. So just as a heads up, we may use these two terms interchangeably. Now let's get into some background. The first ever use of the death penalty in the world was back in the 18th century BCE with King Hammurabi of Babylon. The famous Hammurabi's Code laid out many acts that were punishable by death. The precedent of empires using the death penalty as a way to maintain power continued throughout the centuries and has now been implemented in America's current justice system. More recently, capital punishment has been codified into modern law in countries across the globe. So let's take a closer look at the United States specifically. America's practice of the death penalty was heavily influenced by the UK. When colonists came into the New World, they brought with them the practice of government-sanctioned executions. In fact, the first recorded use of death penalty in America was in 1608. George Kendall was executed for being a Spanish spy. After the U.S. became an independent country, there was movement in favor of the abolition of the death penalty. Many states, like Pennsylvania, removed the death penalty for all crimes except first-degree murder. Works of literature like the 1767 piece On Crimes and Punishment by Cesare Beccaria inspired an anti-death penalty sentiment across the country. However, the death penalty did and has stayed in place until present day. Around the world, many countries have outlawed the death penalty. The majority of countries have abolished the death penalty. However, the majority of the world populations live in countries where it is still legal to this day. This is because population giants like China and India continue to uphold capital punishment. Other countries that still have the death penalty include Indonesia, Nigeria, Japan, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and of course the United States, in addition to some others. The death penalty in the United States is legal at the federal level, but it is illegal at some state levels. Currently, the death penalty within the United States is legal in 27 states, federal government and by the United States military. However, many states have taken action against the institution of the death penalty. For example, eight states have abolished the death penalty in the last 10 years alone. The federal government, while still having the death penalty, has not carried out an execution for many years. That was until the end of the Trump administration in 2020. After the execution of Lewis Jones Jr. in March of 2003, there was nearly a 17-year gap of no federal executions. Then, between July 2020 and January 2021, 12 people were executed under presiding President Trump and head of Department of Justice William Barr, better known as just Bill Barr. For reference, the death penalty has been condemned by the United Nations, and the UN has said that capital punishment has no place in the 21st century. Now, before we get into our opinions here, let's just talk about racism in the criminal justice system. So despite making up 23.7% of the United States population, minorities make up 43% of all executions in the U.S. and 55% of those awaiting execution. 
This, along with a history of systemic racism in government, has led to calls for many to put an end to the death penalty because of its inherent racism. Organizations like the ACLU have called for a moratorium to the death penalty on grounds of racism, and many people in Congress have put ahead legislation to get it abolished. Community-supported petitions have been created as well to fight the execution of wrongfully convicted inmates, and sometimes this even works. A recent example of this was with Julius Jones in Oklahoma, who just a few weeks ago was set to be executed, but was not given the death penalty thanks to a lot of community activism on social media and petitions. All right, so I think it's time to get into our opinions. All right, sounds good. Uh, is it okay if I go first? Yeah, take it away, Leo. All right, so I'd like to start with a quick story. Brandon Bernard was a black man convicted of two murders and put to death in 2020. His original trial was a quick one carried out by a prosecutor who withheld important information about the trial that today would likely have saved him from a death sentence. When he was set to be executed last year, five of the nine living jurors from the original trial came out and publicly said that his sentence should be commuted to life in prison, as well as the prosecutor for that original trial. This failed, and under President Trump, he was executed via lethal injection. He was only 40 years old when he was executed, making him one of the youngest to ever be executed. So now I'll get into some three main reasons why I believe the death penalty should be abolished. First of all, it does not serve as a deterrent, and it is inherently racist. So many people across the United States and the world believe that the death penalty can be a deterrent for people not to do crimes again, because if they see someone being killed for doing a crime, then they'll be incentivized not to do any crime. But this is simply false. First of all, there's no evidence, and many surveys have proven the opposite, that people do less crime when the death penalty is in place. Additionally, murder is widely carried out by people who are irrational and do not think about the consequences of their actions, and so having the death penalty just to serve as a deterrent does not work at all. The death penalty in the justice system is also biased against people of lower socioeconomic statuses, because if you can't afford a good lawyer, for example, you're more likely to be convicted, and this is more often than not the case for people living in cities and lower classes, and especially people of color. Now, the second main point that I have against the death penalty is that it is a waste of taxpayer money. So people tend to think that keeping a person alive in prison for life, aka a life sentence, will cost too much money. But the fact of the matter is that people on death row are often kept alive, kept alive until the end of their lives too, and then killed at the end of their lives. So there's really not that big of a money difference between keeping people alive and having people in the death penalty. Uh, could I interject really quickly and ask you a quick question? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so... Would you say that $30,000 is a huge amount of money? Uh, depends what you're talking about. Well, are you aware that keeping a, an inmate in jail costs $30,000 per year? Uh, I was not aware of that until you just brought that up. All right, so I'll get into more of that with my argument. Okay, anyways, going into my third point in here is that we shouldn't be spending this kind of money. We shouldn't be spending this kind of figures, $30,000, as you just said, Vishal, in the first place. We shouldn't be spending this money on the death penalty or keeping people for, for life sentences in the first place. I believe that we should be spending more money on social programs and fighting poverty and homelessness. And we can stop crime, which means less murders and less need for a death penalty. So what I'm basically saying by this is that if we can invest money in social programs in cities across the country, we can stop people from developing into criminals and make it less likely for them to commit murders. If we have less people committing murders across the United States and hopefully across the world, then we will have no need for a death penalty at all. And as I going back to my second point, we'll be saving taxpayers a lot of money. And this, in my opinion, should be the ultimate goal of our criminal justice system, to abolish crime and then we'll have no need for a death penalty. 
All right, I think that was very well said, Leo, but I'll, without further ado, I'll get into my argument. Go right ahead. All right, and just like you, I'll start off with a small story. So Jenny Rojas was a four-year-old girl when her aunt and uncle, Veronica and Ivan Gonzalez, tortured and murdered her. They suspended her alive by a hook on the closet wall in their apartment. They shook her violently, strangled her, beat her with a hairbrush, and handcuffed her for days. She died after she was forced into a scalding bathtub for three minutes. Three minutes. California jury sentenced Veronica and Ivan to death, and the California Supreme Court hold their convictions to this day. If anyone, anyone in this world deserved the ultimate punishment, these two people did. So let me get into my main points of my argument. So my first main point is that how expensive it is to hold a single inmate in jail. And a report in 2016 by the Federal Register shows that the average cost of incarceration per inmate is more than $30,000 a year. There is no argument to be made that this money could not this money could not go to something else that improves our society such as education and healthcare instead of prolonging the lives of those who have decided their own fate. So Leo, as you said in your argument, we could be spending this money, which I said $30,000 a year, into child welfare programs, helping the poor. So I ask you, why should we as citizens pay $30,000 a year to keep people who have already decided the fate of their lives instead of helping the poor or donating to other social welfare programs that could benefit us and develop our country as a whole? Do you have a question? Yeah. Could I interject here? Yes. So wouldn't you agree that we that we as taxpayers would not have to be paying $30,000 a year if there were less people in death row? No, I would not agree because there are more people who are on life sentence rather compared to death row. Okay, let me rephrase that. Would you agree that we wouldn't have to be paying this money if there were less people in jail in general? Yes. Okay, then wouldn't you think a good way to get that is by having less people commit crimes? Yes. So do you think that investing in social programs in the first place is a good way to get people to not commit crimes at all, and then we don't have to pay for these uh, inmates $30,000 a year when they're in prison because there will be less people in prison? Well, investing in social programs, that's a whole different argument, right? Like that comes from like, what, where, are you saying government spending and all that? I was saying, yeah, investing in communities well, before the crime happens. That's a whole different argument. And in terms of death penalty, if we're focusing just on the death penalty, I'm just saying this would be my argument. So does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right. So let's move on to my second main point. And this is quite the opposite of what Leo said. So I believe that the death penalty does serve as a deterrent from committing heinous crimes. And so in my opinion, I think that the death penalty is a message that gives off that gets sent to people who are thinking about committing these horrible crimes and that they shouldn't do it or else they might be sentenced to, to death. Without the death penalty, this message is not sent. Leo brought up the fact that most people who commit these crimes are obviously irrational and some of them can't th won't think about their future and all that. Well, yes, this is true that maybe some people are irrational, but it, if we do implement the death penalty into our system, it does prevent a minority of people from committing these crimes, right? Because all these people that do these crimes, they're not, not all of them are rational. Some of them do have thoughts. And if we do have this system, this death penalty in our system, it will prevent a small amount of people from committing these crimes. Can I interject here with one question? Yeah, sure. Uh, do you think that having the death penalty and ultimately sacrificing the fact that a lot of innocent people could be losing their lives just to save, as you said, a small percentage of people from committing crimes, do you think it's worth that? 
Well, I, as I get into, I, I can answer that. I'll get into this more with my third main point, but I'll give you a brief uh, answer here. I do recognize the fact that our current criminal justice system isn't perfect, but I'm saying that we can perfect these flaws in our current criminal justice system so we can take out racism and all that. So in a perfect world, our criminal justice system with the death penalty in it, I think that that's just and does deliver justice. Okay. All right. So now let me get into our third point in which I talk about, yes, our current criminal justice system is not perfect, but nothing is perfect. So yes, I do concede to the fact that the current system of the death penalty is racist. But as a society, we can improve this system. And if we get rid of its flaws, I truly believe the death penalty delivers justice to its victims, right? So just as everything, I say there are flaws in everything. If you look at any products such as cars or automobiles, originally there were tons of deaths with these things. But as society, we learned to develop these stuff and we learned to perfect these stuff and we learn to produce the most safe and best automobiles. So with that, I believe we can do this with the criminal justice system. Uh, can I ask one more question, yes. Vishal? Yeah. Um, so since you recognize that the death penalty has already been around for hundreds of years in the U.S., don't you think that if any significant changes would have been made, they would have been done by now? Yes. And but if you look at the statistics of have, how many innocent people have been lives have been lost to the death penalty, they get less and less as we progress. As I've shown you, there have been less and less instances of death from the criminal justice system. So this, these are improvements, and that's why I am a support. I'm a supporter of the death penalty. All right. Well, very well said, Michelle. And even though we disagree, I think it was a really good discussion. All right. With that, uh, we would like to thank everyone for listening, and I think that's it for the episode. Yeah, Leo, you want to finish it off? Sure. Happy listening and stay political. <laughs>